You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about discernment, but first let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? I have been really enjoying watching TV. This has not always been a regular part of my life, and I feel like it's a thing that previously I have felt some guilt or shame around spending a lot of time watching TV that Mm -hmm. I felt like there were just better ways I could spend my time. Sure. But I have really just been embracing how much joy it has been bringing me, and I love it. I love that for you. My favorite of late has been the new Bridgerton, which I was trying to hold off on watching until I was finished with the semester and saving (laughs) it as a treat for that. That did not happen. I did wait a week after it was released, but (laughs) then decided I just needed to get going, and I loved it. It almost made me want to read the book, but last time I read the book after watching the season, and the show was just better. It's one of those instances where the show is better than the book. So I just enjoyed it and I'm so glad that was part of my life. (laughs) What is new with you? Well, we've been in Birmingham almost two and a half years at this point, two of which were peak pandemic, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can say that we have friends, finally. (laughs) Yay! We have both adult friends and child friends. Got to give a lot of the credit to Plum School for being the main driver of our community, but also me being back in school myself has helped. And it really is feeling like Birmingham is our home. So for people who have a move in the future or who have moved more recently than that, hang on. You can do it. You will feel like you have community again. (laughs) I am so happy you are in the place you are in now. Thank you. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest book, Sarah? I just listened to Remember, The Science of Memory and the Art of Forgetting by Lisa Genova. This is a nonfiction popular science book about memory. I really enjoyed thinking about how memory works and what kind of forgetting is normal, Mm. and how we store memories, what makes events memorable, how we can change our habits to capture more of the moments that are important to us. So that was all really interesting. There were some aspects that weren't my favorite. I really struggle now when I read a book, and it's like, do X, Y, and Z, and you can reduce your risk by X percent. And I just feel like there's so much we don't know about that. And I feel like It really puts the onus on the individual Mm. and can at times place blame on people Mm -hmm. that, well, if you're suffering from this, it's because you didn't eat the right things or make the right choices. And now you are just reaping what you sowed. And I think that is a really problematic way to view health. Mm -hmm. That said, I, of course, loved the part where it made me feel good about how much sleep I get. (laughs) (laughs) Love reading a book that reinforces my own beliefs about how I should spend my time, which is sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend it. It was a fast read. The audiobook was only six hours long. So if it sounds interesting, I would say give it a try. There was a beautiful passage near the end that talked about how people with dementia are leading fulfilling lives filled with love and happiness, and that memory is not the be-all, end-all of what it means to be human. And I loved that. I really like that, too. 
I am looking forward to discussing it with my book club next week, and I think there will be a lot there for us to talk about. What have you been reading? I recently listened to The Marrow Thieves by Cherie Dimeline. This is a dystopian novel where humans have killed the earth so much that most of them have stopped dreaming, Hmm. but not indigenous people. So the white people have tried to steal dreams from the indigenous people by killing them and sucking out their bone marrow. And if that sounds grim, it really is. Yeah. So this book is told from the perspective of French, who's a young native man who's part of a group of native youth who's led by an adult native man and woman. So you get a bit of everyone's backstory, and they're also constantly on the move to stay away from recruiters, who are the people who capture them and bring them to quote-unquote schools to kill them, basically. Okay. It is very intense and very depressing. Lots of content warnings in all the ways that you might imagine. But it was also really beautiful and hopeful, and I loved it. So, Mm. you know, hearing about it, I think I could sort of tell you a play-by-play, but if it's something that you feel like you can handle content-wise based on what I've said so far, I would really recommend it. The audio is beautiful. It's an own voices novel, and it was really excellent. Let's move on to our topic for today, discernment. What does that term mean to you, Sarah? I think for me, it means finding the next right thing Mm. in my life. At first, I always use my brain and like to think through all of the possible options. But when it comes to making the actual decision, I do it by visualizing each choice and imagining how I will feel in each scenario Mm. and letting that guide me. And that feels like discernment. I love that. For me, it's a little bit like decision making. It overlaps a little with that. Mm -hmm. But discernment, when I think about it, it feels more intuitive, Mm. like a sense of internal readiness for something that I want to undertake or pursue or move toward. Mm -hmm. And then I always think of the Lilly office and vocational discernment, which was this office at Hendricks that exists in another iteration now. But it was just this really welcoming space for being Mm -hmm. and hearing what your internal voice or what God might be saying to you. So that's what I think of, too. Same. And I think there are categories where I've practiced discernment over my life. So let's go back and forth and talk about what the process was like in those areas. Mm -hmm. The first one is choosing a college and or grad school. I think like I described earlier, choosing college was a combination of rational thinking and emotions. Before actually visiting schools, I considered so many places, but in the end, I only visited three, Grinnell in Iowa, Truman in Missouri, and Hendricks in Arkansas. The reality was that a $40,000 a year school on the East Coast was not in my future, and so that really (laughs) helped narrow the options. I think going to Truman would have been the most practical choice financially, and that would have been fine. But at that point in my life, I really wanted more adventure and novelty and thought the way to find that would be to leave the state. Mm. Looking back on it now, I would have gone to Truman. I think in a lot of ways that was the better choice, but I'm also perfectly happy with the choice that I made because as we'll discuss later I didn't have all that information and this was the choice that felt right when it came to actually making a decision which I put off until the very last day that you had to decide 
I wrote down each school on a piece of paper. At that point, I had it narrowed to just between Truman and Hendricks and drew them out of a probably metaphorical hat. I don't know that there was a real hat. (laughs) And it wasn't that I'm going to choose the school that I picked, but it was a way to see how I felt when I read the one that I picked and whether Mm -hmm. I felt excited and glad that that is what I chose or whether I felt disappointment and sadness with that choice. I honestly don't even remember which was the one that I pulled Mm -hmm. out, but I remember Mm -hmm. having such a clear feeling and that is what guided me towards my choice. Cool. How did you decide where to go to college? So I looked at so many colleges Thanks to my mom who took me on all of those visits. And it really came down to what I actually wanted and getting clear with myself Mm -hmm. because I think I was more aspirational at first Mm -hmm. and applied to places really pretty far Mm -hmm. from home. But then when I got clear with that internal voice, I didn't want to be that far from Texas. Mm -hmm. So I ended up at Hendrix, which was the closest place I applied and was about five hours from home. What about grad school, Sarah? Grad school, I applied to mainly schools in the Pacific Northwest because I had never been there and wanted to, and this felt like a great way to make that happen. Neil and I applied to the same schools and then took a trip together to visit three of them. And then I would say we made the decision based on funding because we both got funded at Oregon State, Mm -hmm. and I don't believe we both got funded at the other two schools And then also because we like the idea of being in a smaller town versus Portland and Seattle, which is where the other schools we looked at were. Mm -hmm. This choice to me felt less like discernment than choosing college and more practical. Mm. Besides the whimsy of just picking a place and deciding that I wanted to go there, which looking back on it, I wonder if that is why it turned out to be not such a great idea for me in terms of my future career and getting a graduate degree that Mm. I have ended up not using. Interesting. Something to contemplate. It definitely felt like grad school was the next thing I was doing because I didn't have a clear idea Mm. of what I wanted to do, or I had this idea, but it turned out not to be really true to who Mm -hmm. I am and what I want. Yeah. So I feel in some ways like I was heading down this path without having done the proper discernment. Mm. But that's also easier to say in retrospect, because at the time, it really felt like this is what I needed to do to have the career that I wanted. Hmm. And you only know what you know when you know it. Right. Try to be gentle with past Sarah, but I wouldn't point to this as an example of excellent discernment in my life. Hmm. I agree with that to an extent. For my graduate school experience the first time around as well, (laughs) it was really a process of mutual discernment for us Mm -hmm. because Andrew and I applied to the same places and really his was the bigger piece because he was discerning between medical school and graduate school at that point, Ah, which was not just choosing a place to live to receive an education. It was really choosing a life path. Yeah. Yeah. And so we applied to, like I said, the same places, and he got into both medical schools and graduate schools, and I got into graduate schools. And so we had a lot of choices, and a lot of things went into that decision. So it was location, 
it was him really getting clear. And I think he is the one who did the most discernment on Mm -hmm. that score and really looked within and said, what do I want out of my career? What do I like and not like about these options? And for better or worse, he has been on that consistent path and still is. Mm -hmm. We ended up in Nashville And I think that worked, but I agree with you that I'm not sure that I really did the discernment piece around the actual schooling part. Mm -hmm. And it was more like you said, this is a good place for us to be. We are being offered money to go and do this and live in this place where my future husband has a community. It's interesting in retrospect. Mm -hmm. All right. How about discernment around marriage? This was really interesting to think about. I'm not sure that I have put it in exactly those terms before, but I do think it was a clear discernment process. I did not expect to get married so young Mm -hmm. at all, but then I met Neil and could so easily envision a partnership with him. I think the most discernment happened after I graduated Hendrix and he still had a year and I was Mm -hmm. living on my own in Little Rock and trying to figure out if I was going to go to grad school, where I was going to go to grad school. And was I going to be making these decisions with Neil or were we going to go on separate paths? Mm -hmm. And of course, I am so glad I made the decisions that I made regarding marriage. I don't know that I would recommend getting married so young. He was 23 and I was 24, but I have loved growing up with Neil, solidifying our values together and creating this life that we're living. But for me, it also did not feel inevitable. I'm sure I could have been happy with other partners or on my own, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make me feel like I discerned poorly. It makes me feel a real ownership of the choices and that we didn't just quote unquote end up together, but really chose each other. Mm -hmm. I think the discernment process for me was around, could I be happy with Neil for the rest of my life? Mm. And do I want to live my life in partnership with this person? And the answer was yes to both questions. I love hearing you talk about that because it really clarifies things for me around my marriage. Mm. Like we have a very similar story in Mm -hmm. that Andrew graduated first and he actually moved away. He moved home to Nashville and we had a very rocky year that year where it was my Mm -hmm. senior year at Hendrix and he was living away and I was feeling, you know, ignored and not at a lot of quality time. And it really forced me, I think, to do that discernment. Mm -hmm. Over that year where I was by myself a lot more than I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. is this worth it? What kind of commitment am I making here? What is our mutual level of commitment? What do I feel inside about whether this is the right thing or not? And I think that year of hard stuff that led to all of that internal questioning and thinking Mm -hmm. through things made it feel like the right choice. Mm than to move forward in a life together after graduation and to make those decisions that I just talked about, about graduate school together. Yeah. And at first I was thinking that, you know, there wasn't much discernment because so many of us were getting married at age 23 and 24, which I think is pretty common if you go to a Southern college, like everyone Mm -hmm. is going to do that around you. I don't know if that's still how it is. And it did work out for us. And I wonder if that hard year where I was forced to reckon with that level of commitment was part of the reason why. Yeah. 
let's talk about discernment around having kids. At the time Neil and I were discussing this, I knew that I wanted to stay home with our kids. And since I was somewhat floundering career-wise post-grad school, we decided that it made sense to go ahead and have kids so I could be home with them and then use that time to also figure out next steps career-wise. For E, we talked off and on since HP was born about having another kid. But then when he was about a year and a half old, we sat down and had a really long conversation about whether we were ready and we decided we were. They are just over two years apart. Looking back now, in some ways, I wish we had waited, but that is only with hindsight. I wish I had known sooner what I wanted to do career-wise and had gained some experience and or a degree in my 20s rather than figuring that out in my mid to late 30s. But that wasn't my reality. I didn't know what I wanted to do then. Part of the process was also thinking about timing in our life of when Mm -hmm. we wanted to have kids at home. And I think both of us were drawn to the idea of wanting to have kids younger and then also be empty nesters younger and still have a stretch of time where we would have more financial resources, more time resources, and be able to enjoy that part of our lives. Where if we're already going to be home and not traveling, let's be home with kids now. Right. The bottom line is, I love the kids we have and think we made the best decisions we could with the information that we have. Mm -hmm. While I look back now, getting my degree, thinking this would have been nice to do when I was 25, I also know that that just wasn't the reality then. Another thing that has really put our decision-making around having kids in perspective was getting cancer at age 33. Ugh, yes. And I felt so grateful to have my kids and not be having to answer questions about fertility, whether to have kids, feeling pressure to have them soon, potentially not being able to have them, and it would have made a hard situation even harder. And just made me so grateful for the family we had created and how the timing really worked out. Yeah. What was the discernment process around having kids like for you? I have always wanted kids. And Andrew and I agreed on that when we were choosing this life together. Mm -hmm. But we were 100% not ready for them for most of our early marriage. (laughs) There was a lot of work individually and as a couple that we needed to do. And I think as part of that work, there was discernment around when would be the right time for children. Mm -hmm. And then there was this long lead up of me quitting birth control and doing the fertility awareness method for birth control. And then we tried to get pregnant with Plum for six or seven months before it actually happened. So it felt like there was a long preparing process where I felt internally ready, but Like what was happening inside wasn't happening outside. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a relief when I finally was pregnant and it felt really right at that Mm. point. So that was really good. And then in terms of spacing our kids, we talked early on about having more than two, like when I was very young, like college age. Mm -hmm. But after having one, we knew that two felt like the right thing. So then it was just timing. Mm hmm. Andrew was going on the job market within the year. And because I loved my care provider so much who I had for Plum's birth, 
it felt like let's do this now yeah and hopefully have the same like really wonderful experience and so all of those pieces kind of came into our process how about vocation or career sarah this is an area where i have really struggled to feel like I knew what the next right step was. Mm-hmm. I have never had much clarity. When I was younger, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I found it fascinating that other people were so clear because mm-hmm. it was such a question mark for me. Yeah. And I felt that way all through college as well. Like, all right, I've got four years, better figure it out. But it still felt like this really big blank space. Uh How am I supposed to know what I enjoy and what I want to do and what will be fulfilling? And I didn't. I really appreciated that for helping me separate my self-worth from my career, Mm -hmm. which feels like a really big problem in our society because I didn't have this clear career path. I couldn't find my value in that or it would feel pretty negative. Yeah. I'm really glad to have that perspective and define myself by who I am and not what I do. Mm. Yes. Even now, I am really not sure what the future holds. Feels like there are many more practical constraints now that I'm in my mid-30s with two kids and a partner in terms of what that looks like. Neil loves his job and has no plans to leave, so that factors into the decision-making. I feel like I'm discerning little pieces at a time, but Mm. still don't have that big picture figured out. It's like I'm getting little glimpses, but can't see how it will all fit together. Do I want to work full-time? Would we move if I got a job elsewhere? Would I want to move if I got a job elsewhere? feels like these big leaps of faith with so many unknowns that it's very hard to discern when a piece of that is imagining that life and what it would look like and how I would feel pursuing that. And with so many unknowns, it feels hard to get a clear picture to find those emotions. Mm -hmm. So for now, I am just continuing on the path I am on with working part-time at the library and going back to library school. And hoping that it will set me up with more options going forward so that when there is a specific job or opportunity, I will be able to discern at that point if it is the right way to move forward. Yeah. Still a work in progress in this area, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said at the beginning, your concept of discernment is a lot around doing the next right thing. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. I am trying. What does it look like for you? It's definitely an ongoing process for me as well, and it's also something that I think I should have done more of earlier in my life. I think I've (laughs) talked about on the pod before that I feel like sort of a career advising failure (laughs) that I went (laughs) into graduate school the first time, that is, (laughs) just because my professors had been to graduate school and saw that I was successful and enjoyed school and so (laughs) suggested that I do more of it. Rather than me doing that real sort of vocational discernment around how do I want my life to look? How will work contribute or not to that? What kind of work can fit into the things that I want for my life? And all of those sort of internal questions that I didn't ask much about. Right. I feel like we weren't asked 
what is it you would most enjoy? And it was a lot on what are you good at? Totally. And sometimes those overlap, but a lot of times they don't. Or not in the way that is as obvious, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. the more I learn about nursing, the more I feel like it's something that I will be very well suited to because it's kind of a combination of intellectual knowledge and evidence and also emotional intelligence and compassion and communication, which is what Mm -hmm. I've inadvertently Mm -hmm. been working in. And it feels like this really lovely mix so far. You know, I'm not that far into it, but it feels good right now. And I feel like those are always things that I have liked and been good at, but putting them together in this specific combination wasn't even really something I was aware of as a possibility. It felt so much like I needed to choose the intellectual academic part of myself. And that's Mm -hmm. what I was pushed to do because that's what the people who were guiding me saw most versus what they actually knew about what would be fulfilling for me. It's interesting to think, too, about being guided by college professors that, as you said, they all chose the specific path. Yes. And so how in touch are they with the benefits and advantages of different career choices? Yeah. And what those would offer to students. And that's not trying to be critical of them. I think it's natural that if you have found fulfillment in a certain path and you see someone else you think would be successful to encourage that. Yeah. But... It doesn't always lead to fulfillment the way you're describing. Correct. So it has been a rediscernment that is ongoing and that I still think about a lot of the questions that you mentioned. I'm on this path now, but there are a lot of different directions I could go from here. Mm -hmm. And there's more schooling I could do. And there are different careers I can choose sort of in this umbrella of healthcare. Mm -hmm. So to be continued. (laughs) Ever unfolding. Yep. How has discernment worked as part of your family and partnership, Sarah? There have definitely been points where it feels like Neil and I have not reached the same conclusion when we are envisioning the future, Mm. that we will each do our own discernment process, and it does not always have the same picture in mind. But I do not feel like that's a negative. I feel like there is this underlying foundation of respect for each other as autonomous individuals Mm -hmm. and wanting to support our individual hopes and dreams, but then also seeing the way it's working in our family unit and understanding that at times each of us are going to have to make sacrifices for the other person. Yeah. And just looking at that across a lifetime and how we can both ultimately find fulfillment and joy and happiness in the life that we've chosen, but we can't both always have everything all the time. Yeah. So that support piece that you mentioned is really what I feel because I'm not sure that we're ever undergoing the same process of discernment because it feels so individual to me, Mm -hmm. but that there is this undercurrent of when Andrew was discerning med school versus graduate school that I felt like I was there and I was like, there are a lot of ways we can make this work, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to tell you because this is really about you and your life. And here I am if you want to talk it through, but also not steering the ship, even though it affects me. Mm -hmm. And same with him getting this current job. I mean, there were things that I said a hard no to. Mm -hmm. And I was basically like just watching and saying, I see you having this process 
And I'm going to step in if there's really somewhere that I don't want to move. But when he came back from Birmingham and was like lit up about UAB, I was like, okay, I'm not excited about this, but Mm -hmm. I can commit to this because it feels like it's an internal readiness from you. And I really respect that. And I love you. And that's important to our family. And I feel like he has been similar for me with nursing school, where Mm -hmm. he was really like, you are good at writing. You are successful. It works well for our family. I don't really understand why you need to go back to school Mm -hmm. and change all this stuff and do all these things. And I was like, okay, valid. And this is why I'm doing it. This is the pool that I have inside me to go do this thing. And he was like, I mean, I don't love it, but okay. Kind of like me moving to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I don't love it, but our family is really important to me. And so we've sort of had that push and pull Mm -hmm. in our lives around each other's individual processes of discernment. Yeah. And we'll see what it looks like in the future, because I do think that there's a possibility that I could feel more invigorated by career prospects not here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what it would look like. We'll see. We will see. So one more question, Sarah. Do you think that engaging in these processes and practices of discernment help you feel better about outcomes or paths after you've taken them? Absolutely. I have so much compassion for all of my past selves and knowing that I made the best decision with the information I had at the time. And that doesn't mean I don't look back now and think, could have done a better job, (laughs) past Sarah, but could have done a better job knowing what I know now, which I didn't know then. Right. That is just life. The ship metaphor from Cheryl Strayed resonates so strongly with me. Mm -hmm. I tear up every time I read that quote and just thinking about the many lives I haven't lived and that they weren't meant for me and that's okay. I love the image of saluting those ships from the shore, acknowledging that they are there and that that allows me to lean more fully into the life I am living as opposed to having regrets about choices that I didn't make. And we'll share the whole Dear Sugar essay that this quote comes from, but I'm just going to read it out because I think it's a really great place to end. She writes, I'll never know, and neither will you, of the life you didn't choose. We'll only know that whatever that sister life was, it was important and beautiful and not ours. It was the ghost ship that didn't carry us. There's nothing to do but salute it from the shore. And that feels like a really good place to end our conversation on discernment. Listeners, we would love to hear how this looks in your lives. Let's talk now about what we've been eating. I talked a long time ago about a really good granola that I was getting from Kroger. And then we don't have Kroger in Alabama, so then I was getting it from Vitacost. And if you have it still near you, it's the Coconut Baobab Simple Truth Granola. But I can't find it anywhere. It's out of stock at Vitacost. The last time I was in a real Kroger, I couldn't find it there either. So I don't know if they don't make it anymore or if it's just supply chain stuff that's happening with lots of stuff these days. But I have found a substitute. It is the Maple Pecan Granola from Trader Joe's. It is not as fatty tasting, but it's close. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want in my granola. So it is working for me right now. Happy to hear it. What have you been eating, Sarah? There is a new donut shop that opened near the library. Yes. 
It is a chain, but a more local chain. I don't think they have too many locations mm. called Parlor Donuts. And these are Cronuts, where it's a more croissant-like donut. They have lots of flavors. I was eagerly anticipating the arrival of the shop. And last week, I tried one for the first time. I will say they are very large. I got the coconut cream one. So there was cream inside and icing on top. Mm. And it did feel like a real mess and commitment to eat it. (laughs) I love it. I was up for the challenge. But I would not want to eat that donut around people I had met for the first time. (laughs) Because it was such a process. Yes. But it was great. The kids are excited about a new donut shop. So I think we'll try and go there as a family at some point. Always love a new option near my workplace. That's all for this episode of Frontier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes in your podcast player or on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. It's like, whatever. It feels like anything I'm going to say is going to be like stupid after Cheryl Strayed words. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just going to look to look up really quick to make sure that tagline is correct. Because I did it from memory and now I'm like, did I remember that correctly? <laughs> you remembered the, the irony. The, the, the memory irony. tagline from memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, here we go.